Let's come before the Lord in prayer. Father God, you are worthy of our every attention. You're worthy of our hearts and our minds. And Lord, we pray that as we come before your word, we would We'd be willing to hear from it. We'd be ready to hear from it. We would apply it to our lives and walk out into this world living it. Lord, change our hearts and draw them close to yourself, we pray. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. We work hard, don't we? Some of us. And we, we, we climb the ladder, we get experience through life, don't we? we? We get older as we do these things, and there are certain expectations that come with that, aren't there? I mean, after all I've gone through, all of the knowledge and wisdom that I've gained and gleaned from my experience, now isn't it time for somebody to listen to me? Right? Now I deserve a break. It's time for me to get some back. Have things the way I want them. I'm I'm too old to care what other people think. Right? I actually typed that one, that phrase, into Google. and, And I got, immediately, there were dozens of articles that came up that were there to help me not be concerned with what other people said or did. My favorite was the ultimate guide on how not to care what other people think about you and live the life that you want, right? Is that who we are? Is that who we're called to be? As Christians, we know that we are supposed to live differently than the world, right? While we may live in a country that emphasizes independence and individuality, What was that Frank Sinatra song? I did it. Yep, you got it. My way. Me. Right? I've been there. I've done that. I should have mine back. Christians actually live in a body of interdependence. We need to get that through our thick American skulls right now. We are not independent. We are interdependent. In Christ, we are part of the church, a body designed to encourage and build one another up to maturity in Christ. Each part gifted in differing ways, right? That we might share those gifts one with another. A a body called to fellowship, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. What was the early church all about? And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. We're we're here to help each other to grow in our walk with Christ. Romans chapter 12, 4 to 6. And we see it in so many other places throughout Scripture. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body. One body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. We're one body. Use your gifts. We're called to action in the body, right? 
We've seen this idea earlier in Acts, how we're called to give of ourselves in order to mentor and raise up others in the faith. In Athens, what did Paul do? Paul found a new way to express the gospel truths to them, the truths of God, in order to reach them for Christ, didn't he? Instead of being stubborn and saying, oh, well, sorry, you need to understand this the same way I do from my Jewish perspective. You, I don't care if you're Gentile. First learn to be a Jew, then, then get the gospel from there, right? Instead of being stubborn and saying it that way, like, you should get it from my perspective, my cultural perspective. He found a new way that he might reach them. He found a means to seek out the lost. And then we saw Priscilla and Aquila. And they they stepped in to help Apollos, didn't they? They gave of their time and their knowledge to share with him and and build up Apollos as a speaker, as a preacher for Christ, investing in him of their gifts. As Christians, we are called to live according to God's word. If we read these kinds of concepts, these kinds of ideas in his word, what's the next step? Do it. Right? Or do we just come and do the church thing? We're called to live according to God's word, a word that more often than not calls those of us who are mature, who have all this experience... In our faith, it calls us to humbly reach down and raise up those who are less mature, those who may be weaker. It's a different perspective, isn't it? It's a completely different perspective than what we're used to. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 21. We're going to start at verse 17. Acts 21, starting at verse 17. Let's go ahead and stand up for the reading of God's word. Verse 17, it says, When we had come to Jerusalem, the brothers received us gladly. On the following day, Paul went in with us to James and all the elders were present. After greeting them, he related one by one the things that God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified God. And they said to him, You see, brother... How many thousands are among the Jews of those who have believed? They are all zealous for the law, and they have been told about you, that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or or walk according to their customs. What then is to be done? They will certainly hear that you have come. Do therefore what we tell you. We have four men who are under a vow. Take these men and purify yourself along with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads. Thus all will know that there is nothing in what they've been told about you, but that you yourself also live in observance to the law. But as for the Gentiles who have believed, we have sent a letter with our judgment that they should abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. Then Paul took the men, and the next day he purified himself along with them and went into the temple, giving notice when the days of purification would be fulfilled and the offering presented for each one of them. Reading of God's word. Go ahead and be seated. Thank you very much. Paul. 
Paul was, in his own words, a Hebrew of Hebrews. The ultimate Hebrew. As to the law, he was a Pharisee. Kept the letter of the law and even the laws that kept you from breaking the law in the first place. Down to a T. He had learned scriptures under the tutelage of Gamaliel, right? We, we heard about him back in chapter 4. And he was a wise teacher. As we saw when we spent so much time just uh, in Acts chapter 20. To the church, Paul was the elder's elder, wasn't he? Paul had just finished, not his first missionary journey, not his second missionary journey, but his third missionary journey, spending years in Gentile lands, planting churches, planting gospel seeds everywhere that he went, encouraging believers, preaching, teaching, and defending the word of God. And for all of this good work that he was doing, he was beaten and driven out of Philippi. Thrown in jail for a little while. He was driven out of Thessalonica and Berea, mocked in Athens, opposed and reviled by his Jewish brethren in Corinth, being brought before a tribunal. He was forced out of Ephesus by a riot, traveled through Macedonia and Greece, determined himself to heed the Spirit's call to return to Jerusalem in spite of the trials and tribulation that he knew would come of it. Struggling through the tears and the affections of his friends who did not want him to go on. And so Paul arrives in Jerusalem, weathered, traveled, seasoned, a veteran of the faith. And he is welcomed. When we had come to Jerusalem, the brothers received us gladly, it says in verse 17. And then he recounts to them in vivid detail all that he had gone through and all that had been accomplished by the hand of God through his ministry amongst the Gentiles. Verse 19, it says, After greeting them, he related one by one in in detail the things that God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. They glorified God at that point. Welcome, Paul. We're so glad you're here. Tell us everything. Praise God for all you've gone through, all you've done, all God has done through you. You know, that's great, Paul. But you know, there's just one more thing. One more thing? Really? After all that Paul had gone through, after all the experience, all the work that he had done so hard to accomplish, the planting of those churches out in Gentile territory, all the persecution he had suffered for this great man of God, this spiritual giant, this example of godly living who lived in in such a way that we should try to live as he had, right? It's just one more thing, Paul. I've been a Christian For how many years? I've given service. I've taught Sunday school. I've been an elder or a deacon. I've I've served in the music ministry. I've served in the nursery. I've given my days and my time. I'm part of that 20% that does 80% of the work. I tithe. I've been a member here for longer than you've been alive. Seen more than you'll ever know. It's time for me to get some back. Have things the way I want them. 
but there's just one more thing. Starting at verse 20, it says, and, and when they heard it, they glorified God, and they said to him, you see, brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews of those who have believed. There's this, there's this group out there, a large group who have believed. They're zealous for the law, and they've been told about you that you teach the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or walk according to our customs. What then is to be done? They will certainly hear that you have come. Do therefore what we tell you. We have four men who are under a vow. Take these men and purify yourself among them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads. And, and thus, in that way, all will know that there's nothing in what they've been told about you, but that you yourself also live in an observance of the law. Paul, we know all that you've gone through. All that's been done. And we know that this is a lie. We know that this is not true. But this is what people are saying. Paul, this outstanding man of God with more experience in living for the gospel than, than we will likely ever see, who understood the truth and taught that it is not religion or works that saves us. It is not cultic Judaism that that would bring salvation to them. It is Christ alone, as he tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. This Paul, who knew that truth, never taught anyone, Jew or Gentile, that they had to forsake their cultural identity as long as it did not break God's moral law according to Christ. This Paul could have stood on his attainments, his experience. He could have proclaimed the laurels. He could have stood simply on truth. This is not true. Who cares what they say? Like you said, it's simply not true. But truth without love is hard and cold. And rarely reaches a lost heart. And as Christians, we are called to speak the truth in love. We find Ephesians 4.15 in the midst of a passage where Paul is talking to us about unity in the body. And he says, speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So instead of proclaiming his spiritual fortitude and, and his accolades. How does Paul answer them in this passage? Verse 26. Then Paul took. Then Paul took. He answers them with action. In our passage, he might have had something to say, but in our passage, he doesn't say a single word about what they've asked him to do. He puts no argument up. He says nothing. He simply took the men and did what was asked of him. He just does what it takes to build up and to encourage the body, to save the lost. He wants them, those thousands who had come to faith, to be built up and encouraged in their faith. Paul made it his mission within the church body and and to the lost world around him to reach down 
to live out humility and to lift others up, encouraging them in their walk with Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 to 23. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all. Why? That I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not myself being under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means... I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. He taught the elders in Ephesus, in all things I have shown you, that by working hard in this way we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Help the weak. Lift up the weak. Romans chapter 15. We who are strong. Think about how many years you've been a Christian. How many Bible verses you have memorized. We who are strong. Those of us who are living out those Bible verses that we have memorized. Those of us who want to live out our faith in Christ. Those of us who consider ourselves to be mature in Christ. I am the staid believer. I am the pillar of this church, right? Those. We who are strong have an obligation. Not an option. Not a maybe. We have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. That through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order to that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. Build up. Reach out. Humbly do what it takes. Scripture regularly calls those of us who are strong those of us who are mature in our faith, who know Christ, not just about Christ, but know Christ. Do you know Christ? Do you know his word? It calls us to, to stoop down and do what it takes to pick others up. Scripture calls us to be like Christ to the body and to the lost. Because in the long run, 
What difference does it make what color the walls are, what color the carpet is, whether we sing hymns or contemporary songs or whatever we do here? Uh, do we really think we're, we're going to get to heaven and we're going to start worshiping God and then we're going to say, well, God, I'm afraid you missed the mark, man. That's not the song we sang. That's not what I'm used to. That's not what I want. God, do it my way. Maybe he'll send us to see Frank. As long as we're giving our utmost for his highest. Isn't that our call? No matter what our worship looks like, no matter what our building looks like or doesn't look like, aren't we called to give our utmost for his highest? What would it have accomplished in our passage today for Paul to say, no, not going to do it. They should meet me where I am. I'm right. He was, wasn't he? I've been a Christian longer than they have. They should be like me. Who would have been encouraged? Who would have been built up in Christ if he had done that? And yet, how often do we operate under those auspices? We are called by God to be spiritually mature enough to guard the essentials of the faith, those closed-fisted issues, never compromising on the triune nature of God and therefore the deity of Jesus Christ, never relenting on salvation in Christ alone through faith alone by grace alone. Never making concession on reading God's word for just what it says and walking in obedience to it. And at the same time, setting aside ourself in order to share Christ with others. Always searching for ways to humbly reach out to our soil. Our, our sphere of influence lives. Those lives that you touch on a regular basis. Representing Christ to them. Our community. Our surrounding culture. What does it look like? What does our surrounding culture really look like? And when you look at that surrounding culture. Do you step back and say. That's not me. I hope it stays out there. If we hope the surrounding culture stays out there, what are we doing to save the lost? How are we walking in our faith? How are we building up? If we'd rather just keep the world out there, we need to share Christ to, to build one another up in love and reach out to the lost without losing those closed-fisted issues, without compromising scripture in our faith to plant gospel seeds and and bring them into the kingdom of god and, and if we expect them to come in here if we expect them to come into our building to meet christ are we prepared as a body to receive them where they are are we ready to meet them are we ready to do as paul did and and walk in obedience to those elders and go okay those believers are out there. I need to build them up. I'm going to do what it takes. Just tell me what to do. Are we prepared as a body to receive new believers, to build each other up, 
Do we have eyes for where we are as a church body and at the same time have eyes to look out and search for ways to reach the lost world around us? Are we willing to be more aware of others than we are of ourselves? You've got eternal life. They don't. Are we willing to to reach out, to encourage, to build up in, in order to plant just one more gospel seed in just one more life. This is the life and ministry of Paul who lived his faith in a way that we would see it and repeat it. This is a a faith walk that God has preserved for us in his word. That we wouldn't just look at it and say, oh, that's Paul, that's nice. But we would see Paul's life as God's example for us as a body. As we walk with Christ and live out our faith. Let's pray. Father God, your word is good. And Lord, we pray for your spirit to be be alive and active here amongst us. That you would open our eyes and our hearts and our minds to whatever we can do to serve you, our our utmost for your highest glory. Lord, help us to to be as uncomfortable as we can be if somebody's going to be saved by it. Lord, help us to look for just that one more life that we could touch with your word and your promises, your hope, your gospel that you use to open our eyes, that we would know you. Help us to be a body that's ready to move, a body that's ready to to do whatever it takes to serve you with all that we are, and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.